0: Today is the fourth Sunday of Advent. Advent is a time of waiting. We wait for God to send divine love and light to our dark world. How does this happen? God's light comes through Jesus, who became a human being just like you and I, so that he could show us the way back to God's divine love and light.
1: Purify us, O God by your daily visitation, so that when your Son, Jesus Christ, comes, he will find in us a mansion prepared for himself. We thank you for this time of waiting. We thank you that our time of waiting for Jesus is almost over. May we await the light of the world with joyful anticipation through Christ our Lord. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. Then Isaiah said, Listen well, you royal family of David. Isn't it enough to exhaust human patience? Must you exhaust the patience of my God as well? All right, then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us.
0: Our time of waiting is almost over. Blessed are we who, with Joseph of Nazareth, have faith that Jesus will bring God's love to us. May we pray for the light of Christ to shine brightness over and into our dark world. May the word become flesh and dwell among us. Amen.
2: It's so great to see you as we gather on this Christmas Eve day to celebrate our, our Lord and Savior who has come to be among us and to save us, to bring joy and hope to our world. I want to invite you, uh, especially want to welcome those of you who are uh, guests are visiting this morning, particularly those from out of town. It's great to have you here, and uh, it's good to see all of you as we gather for worship today. Take a moment, share a word of greeting with others here in worship this morning. Just a couple of things, uh, uh, one thing really to remind you tonight uh, we have two Christmas Eve services, one at 5 o'clock, one at 7 o'clock. In both services, we will uh, read uh, the the prophecies, the scriptures of Jesus coming, we will sing uh, carols and songs together, and uh, we will uh, share the lighting of candles as well. Uh, We also At 5 o'clock service, there will be a time for children as well. So we hope that uh, you'll be able to join us for uh, one or both of these worship services today at 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock.
1: Good morning. Our Old Testament reading this morning comes from the prophet Micah, chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Hear the word of the Lord. Marshal your troops now, city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me... One who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, For then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand and join us as we continue in worship together. we uh... ushers forward as we give back to God through our tithes and offerings, and let's sing the doxology together. Praise God
3: from whom all blessings flow.
2: As we remember the one who has come to save the world, we uh, come to him in honesty and openness. So I want to invite you to join me in the prayer of confession. that's printed in your bulletin. We will uh, pray this responsively. So uh, I will read the the light print and invite you to respond in the bold print. Let us pray. Oh God, you search us out and know us. All that we are is open to you. We confess that we have sinned. In your mercy, Lord, forgive us and heal us. When we long for your coming to change the world, and yet are often unwilling for change in our own hearts, in your mercy, Lord, forgive us and heal us. When we do not make straight paths for justice, nor offer a welcome when you come as a stranger, In your mercy, Lord, forgive us and heal us. When we dismiss prophets and angels and refuse to nourish your word in us. In your mercy, Lord, forgive us and heal us. When we reduce our preparation for your coming to what others need to change in their lives. Instead of what we need to change in ours. In your mercy, Lord, forgive us and heal us. We turn to you, O God, of infinite mercy. We renounce evil. We claim your love. We choose to be made whole in Christ, who comes in flesh to set us free and make us new. Amen. As we uh, continue in a spirit of prayer, there are many burdens and concerns I know that we bring with us today about our own lives and the world. Do you want to... uh, Mention a couple of things for us to to pray about as well today. We want to pray for Linda Lex and her family at the death of her mother earlier this week. And uh, we also want to pray for uh, the Woolsey family as uh, early this morning Warren Woolsey died. And uh, after an extended time of being in the the Absolute, Uh, we don't have any arrangements yet. Uh, They're all pending for uh, his services, but we will let you know those as soon as we have them. So I want to pray for these families as well as others uh, who may be grieving and the struggles of uh, issues of our lives and our world. As we pray together, if you would like to come and use the altar rails, the place where you offer your prayers, please come and join me. Heavenly Father, we, we find it difficult to put into words the gratitude and the joy in our hearts because Jesus is born. How can we ever praise you thank you enough? And yet we come today with hearts full of gratitude and thanksgiving. Father, because Jesus is comes. We know that you care about everything that happens to us. We know that that you are at work in our lives and in this world. And so we bring to you the burdens and the concerns of our hearts. Of our world. We pray, Father, for family and friends who are grieving today, particularly at this time of year. We pray especially for Linda Lex and her family and for the family of Warren Woolsey we ask that you will comfort them in their grief their pain and their loss may they know your presence close to them we pray this for all who feel grief and loss today we pray father for for all who are struggling to with relationships in life and the brokenness of them, and we ask that you would bring healing. We pray for all who come today wrestling, confused, uncertain about the future. We pray that you will fill our hearts with trust of you. Father, we we pray for all who are struggling with illness and pain. And we pray for Tim Nichols and Bob Brown, for Jane Swanson and Louise Princell, for Laura Habecker and Hudson Hess. For Nancy Cole and Brian Orbacher, Peter Lingenfelter. For Ellis Brotsman and Chuck Barrett. For Cheryl O'Brien and Ben King. For Doris Osepian and Isla Shade and Sheldon Emerson. For Bill Getty. For Ella Woolsey. For Mike Raybuck and For Micah Christensen, Linda Roth. For Dick Gould and Emily Cricklar. And others who may be on our minds and our hearts today. We ask for your healing grace in each of them. Father, we, we pray for our nation. And ask that you would help all who are in the midst of and recovering from recent disasters and tragedies. And we pray that, that your, your Holy Spirit will minister your grace and peace. And that your people will be a presence of grace and peace in each situation. We pray for, for our, our, our world. We pray for those who are refugees. We ask that you would bring safety, security, peace to them. We pray that you would open the way for them to return to their homes. We ask that you would bring peace in places of violence and war. We pray, Father, that, that you will be especially near those from our congregation and those connected to us who are away from family this Christmas because they are, they are serving you in other places of the nation or the world. Anoint their ministry. Watch over their families. Keep them safe. Especially at this time of year, help them to see that you are at work in them and through them and assure them of, their, of your calling in their lives. Father, we do continue to pray for uh, our brothers and sisters around the world who face great difficulties because of their faith in you. We think of the Christians in Pakistan. Lord, recent attacks on churches, deaths and injuries and grief and, and fear. We pray, Father, that you will bring peace Amidst all of the Christmas celebrations of Pakistan, we pray that, that your children will bear witness of your love and grace, and what the coming of Jesus how it changes our lives. Father, we continue to pray for the people in Puerto Rico as they recover from the Hurricane Maria, and as tonight we receive our offering. May you use this and all the other gifts and the people who are there and all of the ways possible to us to bring about not only recovery, but a new sense of you at work among the people of Puerto Rico and beyond. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this church. We pray for all of the churches around us and the churches in western New York. And we pray, Father, that you will bring great things as we worship you today and tonight and in the new year to come. Lord, thank you for hearing our prayers. We thank you that the King of glory comes into a humble home and changes everything. In our celebration, may Christ be born anew in our hearts, that we may bear witness of Christ every day. We pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who teaches us the model for prayer. We now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
3: Meekness and majesty, good and in perfect harmony.
0: Would you please stand for the reading of the gospel? Our New Testament reading this morning is found in Luke chapter 1, 26 through 56. Hear the word of the Lord. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Mary. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And Mary said, But has lifted up the humble. He has spilled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. This is the word of the Lord.
3: starlight in a mother's eyes, a holy child is born, kings and shadows.
2: Father, thank you for the coming of Christ. Pray that you will open our eyes to see more and more of what his coming means for us in the world. We pray this in his name. Amen. Please be seated. On the first Sunday of Advent, I, I told a, a story about how uh, the pastor was sitting in church one Sunday and started laughing in the middle of the service. And uh, I said, you know, he never laughed in the service. This was, he was a man of decorum. He just didn't do those kinds of things. But he couldn't help himself. He was just laughing out loud. And the congregation was wondering what in the world was going on with them. And he said the reason he was laughing because they were singing... Well, that, that great devotional prayer, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. And so when we got to that verse about where the, the congregation was singing, take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. He said, he looked out and he thought to himself, I've been trying to take some of their silver and gold for years and nobody wants to give it. And here they are singing to God, take my silver and my gold. And he said, it just made me laugh to think what it would happen if God answered that prayer. And out of that, he said, you know, we ought to maybe preach some sermons sometimes about the hymns and the songs that we sing. Because often we sing them without really thinking about what we're saying. And he said, it'd be something you might call, let us live what we sing. And so over the course of these Sundays of Advent, that's what we've been doing. First Sunday, we looked at O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and then heart-tailed angels sing joy to the world and we come to a song today that that really speaks to the condition of our world we live in a world of pain we live in a world of tragedy we live in a world of violence we live in a world in which all of that seems to not be not to be waning but to increase to increasing we live in this world in which it feels like every day we're just waiting. What's the news going to tell us today about something someone did or something that happened? Some new tragedy, some new event, some new act of violence or hatred. And, and we just see it snowballing. And quite frankly, in the, in the context of that, it is very easy for us as human beings to feel like, is it ever going to end? And we wait and, of course, we struggle to wait, and we wonder, and we question. And I think that's what's in the mind of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow when he writes this song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. As many of you are aware, Longfellow was the most famous poet of his day. Uh, he, he, was, uh, he, he wrote many, many poems and they were very famous. Uh, uh, among those poems that he wrote are Tales of a Wayside Inn, The Song of Hiawatha, The Courtship of Miles Standish, Paul Revere's Ride. That was the one that I remembered from grade school. Listen, my children, and you shall hear of the Midnight Ride of Paul Revere. As soon as I saw that title, all those words came flashing back into my mind as we remember thinking about that in grade school. And this one, I heard the bells from Christmas Day. Longfellow um, had a difficult time in 1861. It was a tough year. For one thing, it was the beginning of the Civil War. And like most Americans, he felt the pain of that war. No one knew when it started, how long it was going to end, and it seemed to keep snowballing and getting worse. A few months after the war started, his beloved wife was tragically killed in a fire in their home. And for the next few Christmases, as you might well imagine, he felt grief, not joy. He wrote about it in a variety of settings. His family and the the small children left behind. He said they were merry for Christmas, but he just couldn't feel it. All he could feel was lament. And then in December of 1863, his oldest son who at the age of 19 had run off and enlisted in the Union Army, was severely wounded in battle. He went to to where his son was, uh, was recuperating, and his son survived and lived, but it deeply affected Longfellow, as you might imagine. And it was either that Christmas day of 1863... Or a year later, Christmas Day of 1864, historians seem to have a difference of opinion about it. But on one of those Christmas days, he wrote this song. And and he wrote he wrote a song that is very personal. You know, you think about the other carols that we've been looking at, and a lot of the carols that we sing, they write of they, they are written about the the events of of Christ's birth. They're written about the people involved in Christ's birth. They're written about the ancient days. But this is not written about that. It's written about the day longfellow is living. And it is very personal as you can see from the from the first person singular pronouns that are used, which is unusual in most Christmas carols. This carol is different in that it doesn't have it doesn't have the theological depth of Wesley's Hark the Herald Angels Sing, or even of Watts's Joy to the World. It, it doesn't have that, that historic looking back that we find in O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It is, it is the words of, of a grieving personal heart about the world as he looks around himself and as he ponders his own existence, and he questions as you can see, it is, it is rooted in the significance of bells. The church bells, Christmas bells. In Longfellow's day, and certainly long before that, bells were significant to the whole village, a whole town. But in, a, you know, in our world we have watches and clocks and digital this and digital that I mean we have you know all kinds of ways to keep time. But they did not. And for many of the people it was it was the clock. Ringing in the church bell tower that was their timepiece. It kept time for both the secular days and the religious holidays. It, it was the it was the bells were the thing that draw, drew people together and called people together. It called them to come and to pray. It called them to come and to worship. It called them to mourn. It called them to celebrate. It called them to beware. The bells were just sort of the center point of all of the towns and villages but there are no bells that sound like christmas bells they're very different you know the, the bells of 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 a death are are a different sound they're mournful the bells of a tragedy are are different and and, and the bells of a warning are different but but the the bells of christmas you know that we think of of bells and we think of one bell in a tower ringing but christmas bells are different listen just listen to this second recording of Christmas bells from one of the churches in the English villages. You can hear out of that. It's much bigger than just dong, dong, right? I mean, it's just, you can feel the celebration of those bells. You can sense the excitement as people hear those bells calling them to Christmas Day worship. They are significant bells. And you can understand why Longfellow connected those bells to the words of the angels to the shepherds. Let me just read for you the... The translation of that for, from the King James Version, which many of us grew up on and certainly would have been the, the translation that Longfellow would have known. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. It is this great celebration of peace on earth, goodwill to men, that he's describing. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. These are familiar tunes, these are familiar words to Longfellow, and to us. We've heard them over and over again. Every Christmas, the bells ring out. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. But you get a sense as you move to the second verse that there is something about the pealing of the bells, something about the, the message that the bells are proclaiming that are just not quite setting right with him. I thought how as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom, and rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. They keep ringing, they keep ringing, they keep ringing, all the years of his life, and the years and years before his life, and the years after his life, the Christmas bells keep ringing, peace on earth, goodwill to men, peace on earth, goodwill to men. And then you come to verse 3, and you can feel what he's thinking. And he says, Despite the fact that the bells are ringing, peace on earth, goodwill to men, in despair I bowed my head. Because when I look around me, I don't see peace. I don't even see goodwill among human beings. What I see is violence and hatred and bitterness and anger. And he he captures the, the struggle of his heart. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Let's be honest. There are days when it feels like everything that's going on in our world is mocking the words of the angels to the shepherds. One more bombing. Another shooting. Another disaster. Another death. We think about, think about the refugees in this world and the, the predicament and the plight that they have. You think about the people who don't know where their next meal is coming from. You think about people who live in places of famine and drought. You think of, of the pain of death the pain of illness, the pain that life brings to us, and it can be overwhelming sometimes, and there are days when we, like Longfellow, shake our heads and say, "Lord, what 's going on? Where are you? I mean this has been the cry of people from the beginning of when sin entered the world it 's the cry of the Israelites in egypt it 's the cry of Moses in the wilderness. It's the cry of David in so many of his psalms. It's the cry of the judges and the prophets. It's the cry of the Israelites in exile. It's the cry of the martyrs in Revelation. It's the cry of the church, ancient and present in so many places of the world. God, it looks to us as if hate is more powerful than... Love. It looks to us that that bitterness and war and violence is just overwhelms our talks of peace. So one of the things that I, I love about the scriptures, I think one of the things that sets apart the scriptures from, it seems to me, most of the other scriptures of all the other religions of the world is that the, the Bible is brutally honest. There is no sense in the scriptures that you get sugarcoating real life. Now, that bothers a lot of people because they don't want the real life. They want the scriptures to, to just sugarcoat everything. But God knows real life and God's the scriptures speak to us of real life. And it's real people living real life with real pain, just like you and me. And when Jesus comes into the world, he comes into a world that is full of pain and violence and hatred. I mean, all you have to do is just think about how Herod responds to hearing about the birth of Jesus. And the weeping in Bethlehem. Longfellow's just simply describing the burden and the cry of the human heart. And in that cry, there is this underlying sense that you see revealed a little bit in the next verse about God, I don't know which which is the problem. Is it that you can't do anything about it or is it that you won't? Maybe it's both. There is this yearning in his heart and I think sometimes we feel it. Certainly people around the world feel it when we talk about jesus has come there is this sense in which the song is crying out for us okay jesus has come but there doesn't seem like things are all that different jesus has come but but look at all the violence in the world jesus has come look at all the pain jesus has come look at all the despair yeah, i know jesus has come but hate seems awfully strong awfully real We wonder, what do we do with it? And you come to that fourth verse, and he says, Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. Now, I don't know exactly what he means by that. I'm pretty sure he doesn't mean that they got a few more guys up in the bell tower to pull the ropes a little harder. There is something about the bells pealing more loud and deep that I think is, you know, you can hear something and then you hear something. We all hear things, we don't always hear things. I suspect that if we asked a number of our spouses, they would be able to help us with that differentiation, right? or our children, or our parents, or our friends, or our colleagues. Any other people in our lives could could give us examples of hearing and hearing. One of the things you find when you read through the scriptures, I mean, you look at Jesus and his interactions with so many people, particularly the religious leaders, they hear Jesus. They don't hear Jesus. And the difference, the difference between the people who hear Jesus and people who hear Jesus is their hearts are open to Jesus. There is a sense in which people say, I don't always understand what you're saying, Jesus, but but I'm for you. I'm with you. I'm listening. I'm open. There is this humble spirit that says, I am ready to hear. I'm willing to hear. I'm willing to admit that I'm wrong, that I don't understand it, that I haven't gotten it. And they hear it. And the bells peal more loud and deep. And what is it that the bells say? Because you notice, Longfellow is not saying, he's saying this. He says, the bells are peeling this. And peeled the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. It reminds me of the words of Psalm 121. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. To the question that that is underlying Longfellow's struggle, and quite frankly, sometimes our struggle, God is not incapable of helping us, and God is not ignoring us. God is doing something about our mess, our pain, our agony. And what does he do? He doesn't eliminate it which is what I often want him to do. And he doesn't deny it. God never says, stop worrying about this stuff. It's not true. And he doesn't really fix it the way we want him to. Instead, he steps right into the middle of it. And we find 30-some years later, That Jesus not only steps into the middle of it, but he takes it all upon himself. To save us. To redeem us. To bring peace on earth and goodwill to all people. This is our God. And in the coming of Jesus, we have to remember there, Jesus is come and Jesus is coming. And when you get to the end of verse 4. and Peel the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail. The right prevail. With peace on earth. Goodwill to men. And we are not promised. That we will see the fullness of that now. But the day is coming. When Jesus who has come will come. And then. We will see it. And then all will be made right. All will be clear. And everything that we've, in which we've placed our hope, all that we've believed in about who God is and, and who Jesus is and what Jesus comes to do, all of it will be clear. And we will experience it in all of its fullness. And we will understand for once fully the promise, peace on earth, goodwill to all people. We will experience what has been God's intent from the very beginning of creation. That his people, his creatures would know his peace and his joy. We would know the flourishing of life that sin has corrupted and destroyed. We will know fully that truth, Jesus, wins. And that's our hope. That's our joy. That's what this celebration ultimately is about. It's why the bells keep ringing. It's why the bells ring in the first place. That Jesus has come and Jesus is coming. And with our world that looks like everything is twisted around and turned upside down and backwards. We know the truth. And when you know the truth, you can live your life differently. You can trust, you can believe, you you can live in a spirit of joy. You can be people who make a difference in this world. Because no matter how strong hate is, no matter how powerful evil is, the wrong shall fail and the right prevail. And that's our hope. For a lot of people when they... I listened again as I've done all these weeks, listen to lots of recordings of this song... And um, there, are, there are varieties of, of, of ways in which people treat this song. A lot of artists stop at the end of verse 4. And it does sort of feel like you've reached the climax, right? I mean, you feel like this, this is it. We've done it. But there is a fifth verse. And I think the fifth verse is significant for us. Then singing, ringing on its way, the world revolved from night to day. A voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And I think that what this verse is telling us is that despite the feeling that there is this dissonance between the bells of Christmas and the reality of life, the truth is because of Jesus, the bells keep ringing. And they keep ringing that message that is true and right, the message of the one who comes in light and pierces the darkness, the one who is hope in a world of despair, Jesus. I think the ringing of the bells that he talks about in this story is really the proclamation of the church. It's the life of the church. It, it's what we bring to this world of darkness and despair and hopelessness and pain and, and grief and agony. It is the church proclaiming Jesus. And we, we continue to proclaim Jesus. This is the message. This is our hope. But, you know, Christmas is one of those events that can feel, it sort of can feel monotonous and routine. I mean, it comes every year. And, and I think I think that the the fact that it can feel monotonous and it can feel routine, is one of the reasons why in our culture, particularly in in North America and the West, we keep trying to make this year better than last year. We keep trying. We'll we'll give bigger gifts. We'll spend more money. We'll we'll do more decorations. We'll do more of this, more and more, more and more. And and there's something within the human spirit that says it's just. It's just monotonous, and we've got to fix it. But we, as the church, it's one of the things I love about the church calendar. We keep coming back around, and every Christmas, every Christmas Eve, we keep coming together and we keep reading the same scriptures and we keep singing the same songs and we keep saying the same things. Why? Because it's the truth, because it's the gospel. But if we are going to make a difference in this world that is looking for something to be different, if we're going to make a difference in this world, then it matters not just that we keep proclaiming, but that we are proclaiming Jesus. And when we ring the bells of who we are and we ring the bells of of proclaiming the gospel, we make sure that we are proclaiming Jesus. We're not proclaiming our pet peeves. We're not proclaiming the, 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 our, our opinions. We are proclaiming Jesus and Jesus alone. And it means that not just what we proclaim, but how we proclaim it is vitally important as well. We proclaim in humility and love, in a spirit of joy and peace and grace and mercy because otherwise, our message sounds exactly the same as everybody else. One of the versions of this song that I came across uh, as I was listening to a variety of them well, was by an artist, David Bazan, who put the fourth verse this way. Then peeled the bells more loud and deep. We're only what we sow and reap. If we're ever going to get along, then we ourselves must right the wrong. Wow. Talk about poetic license, man. But you don't. That's how a lot of people feel. And we as the church have to be the voice that says, yes, we are involved. Yes, we do our part. Yes, we are actively trying to help make this world a better place. But it's all because of Jesus. And the people see something in us. They hear something different about us. Not just the words we say, but the way in which we communicate them. There are lots of historians who believe that one of the issues that that Longfellow was wrestling with as he wrote this song was the church's inability to come to agreement and take a stand against slavery. And he had a hard time trying to, to bridge those two things of peace on earth, goodwill to men, and slavery. And it made me wonder, in what ways are are we sending people mixed messages about what it means to be a follower of Jesus? That we're proclaiming peace on earth, goodwill to all people. And then we live and act differently. And I think at the heart of that is the fact that we believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Because our most most profound influence we can have on this world is to help people see a clear image of who God is. That's our calling. Our calling is to present such a clear image of who God is that when they hear us and when they see us, they see Jesus in us. And so we keep ringing the bells. We keep proclaiming the truth. And maybe the best way way to summarize it is is what C.S. Lewis said. He said, when we talk about the Christmas celebration, it's not that we, we throw up our hands and say, look what the world is coming to. But rather, in gratitude and thanksgiving, in love and grace, we say, look What has come to the world. And so as we sing this song together. We sing in honesty and reality. But we sing in hope and joy. Because we know the one about whom we're singing. He is good. And we trust him. Holy Father, thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives. Thank you for the coming of Jesus. Help us to live what we sing. Because we believe what we sing. We pray this through Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and sing. On this Christmas Eve day, may God fill you with peace, joy, grace, and love, now and forevermore. Amen.